be in your presence and to be uh, fed by your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have opened our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to what your spirit is saying to us today. And we thank you, Father, for the desire to live right desire to serve you and live for you and we thank you for feeding that desire today in jesus name amen please god amen please the lord <laughs> praise god um i was thinking recently about the function of the body of christ so we're going to talk today about the life of this body the life of this body and how the body of Christ lives and functions uh, because it's very important for us to <clears throat> understand that there is a, a specific way that the body of Christ functions and I believe that God chose the analogy of the body to talk about how his people are supposed to relate to one another and uh, how important that is. Um, I see how the enemy uh, devours people through isolation and through not understanding how to connect spiritually with one another. I think that's that's a big mystery to many people. Um, when you come into God's kingdom you come in humble and that's a basic key to learning how to fit properly in the body and how to get function and life flowing through your life from body connection from proper body connection I think one of the mysteries of the spiritual body of Christ is how God orchestrates all of this but I think if we can accept the word and accept some things and just live with them by faith, the understanding comes, the benefit comes, the blessing comes, the uh, uh, power comes. All of those things come to us when we get to understand and accept that God has ordained a certain way for his body to function, thrive, live, repair itself, help, help others, reproduce. All of that is, is already designed by God. And as part of the analogy is that of the human body and how it functions. I see how many times people die out of the body of Christ through lack of nourishment. It's lack of nourishment to that part that they carry that is the major problem. It can be lack of nourishment caused by their lack of desire to conform to God's you know disobedience will cause you uh, to be severed off and not function properly and not get proper nourishment not have the proper identity all of that hinges on how you understand your connection uh, to the to the larger body of Christ and to the the local body to which you are assigned God assigns people where they belong it's not a mystery it's not haphazard he assigns us through leading us and so everybody has an assignment where they are expected by God to obey and be where their assignment is is located and function in the the person all of that takes humility there there's nothing in that whole th pattern of thinking for a big I, a little you, a more important part, a less important part. There's nothing in that 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 
even speaks of what some people feel they're looking for uh, when they come into a local assembly or they even when they think about uh, becoming a part of a church. There's nothing in that about you're going to be a big person or they've been waiting on you to, to come in there and revolutionize what's going on. I remember the mistake I made in thinking that way when I was first saved but my goodness I'd only been saved like a couple of years when I, I thought that when I got involved with believers I thought oh boy I can really do this here and I can do that here and I can do that here and God said no you can sit down and learn something you got me until I get you up you sit down and you be a part of things you humble yourself the same way you've been doing <clears throat> things with me one-on-one and when I saved you I want you to keep that same attitude about your life in me when you connect with other believers and so that was something that that really taught me and I've heard people over and over say that Pastor Shirley said the same thing and she said well God told me she said I thought because I've been in church all my life you know I could bring all the stuff I knew from from the Baptist world you know and God said nope sit down and shut up and learn you know but that's my sister that kind of stuff and so but she had to work through that everybody's got stuff they got to work through but I'm telling you if we learn how to depend on God to fitly join us fitly join us you know where you where you are and where you're to be and how you thrive is all foreordained by God he made this up and thought this up before you even got here so your place was designed and decided your role, your your gifting, your calling, all that was designed and decided before you even got here. And so God is already under, understands where he wants you to be, how you are to function. And he does it with the whole body in mind. It's not just about you as an individual, but you are a part of a body. And I think if we keep that in mind, there's some little things you can keep in mind when you start thinking through on how to relate to the body of Christ. So one of my first ministries that God gave me was an exhorter. That's how I start making those little greeting cards. I think we still have some little those little Xerox ones I started with. We still got some of those around. And I got so tired of handwriting notes, I decided to start pasting up some greetings and people knew my little notes because they would get them I'd stick them in somebody's bible or do something like this or just just share a scripture or share something encouraging to them so that they would understand how to keep going in God those little scriptures here and there can make the difference between whether you quit today or whether you keep going and so this is very very important for us to understand as as members of the body that we are to build each other up, edify one another in love and <clears throat> all that kind of thing. So when you talk about though the, the life of the body of Christ, we're talking about spiritual connections. Just as a body, like if you took all the flesh away from a body, and you all know that, it's Halloween, you see them everywhere, and little skeletons hanging up, right? There are skeletons everywhere. But you see, if you, if you uh, quit putting life into something it falls apart there's nothing but what holds the body together are the life portions of the body the the tendons the muscles the cartilage all those connective tissue parts are what hold the body together and the holy spirit is the connective tissue part of us he's also the life blood of the body 
So the Spirit of God is seeking to draw parts of the body together so that the body can function as one functioning unit. And so when the Holy Spirit draws us into an assembly, draws us to uh, say if, if you get invited to a meeting or you go on vacation and the Holy Spirit tells you, you know, I'm going to let you go over here like uh, 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 the... Uh, Tony and, and, and uh, Bridget and their families always go on a little family vacation in the summer. Well, this summer they went to the Holy Land experience in Orlando. When you go into places like that, you find a connection. You find that peace. You find that, that place of, of um, life where you can find enjoyment, even though you're miles away from where you normally uh, assemble. And that's because there are believers that are drawn there by the Spirit of God that are assembling together for a different type of a purpose. And so when you get involved in these things, you begin to understand the dynamic of body life and how important it is for us to be led by the Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And don't disconnect from what God's doing. Always, I always say just hang on for the ride because many times you won't be able to call the shots. You won't be able to understand some things and why they happen but boy it'll be a ride if you learn how to hang on and enjoy the ride it'll be quite a ride so the things we do by the flesh to fulfill the lusts of the flesh and ungodly desires are not included in body life so it's it's better to learn how to connect with people by the spirit or not at all you got me? Either connect by the Spirit or do not connect at all. Sometimes you might hear of somebody's testimony and it sounds so similar to what you went through and you think there's a connection there, but that person died already. And so you're a new creature in Christ. So if you, the new creature can't connect with the new creature of the other person, there's no life there. You ever get disappointed with a relationship? You, you were having such a good time with somebody and then all of a sudden you haven't heard from them in six months or something like that. And you think, boy, we were having such a good time and I thought we would do this and I thought it would be like that and all that kind of stuff. And it never happened. And it's because the Holy Spirit has to be in control of their life and of your life. So that when you connect in body harmony, it's a harmony of God. And it's not any kind of personal interaction, any kind of personal, uh, you know, knowing the dark areas of somebody's life and being drawn by that. And uh, that's why support groups seldom do anything for anybody. They, they, they only come together to share each other's misery. There's no moving on. There's no uplifting. Because they have no goals other than to connect people who are connected by something dark and tragic in their lives. And so there has to be a goal when a group comes together to function to bring that body to health. Many times people will say, well, I was a member of a support group for a while and then I left because I got better. You understand I'm saying so it's like what were you being supported in when you were there you know your misery so God does not encourage us to connect in dark things 
dark areas, dark purposes. He encourages us to connect in the living things. That's why it's so, I hear people say things like, well, uh, so-and-so was a drug addict and, and he's saved now, so he's called to minister to everybody. Go ye in the all world, preach the gospel to every creature. Because people have become ensnared again by limiting themselves to what's been familiar with them in the past and darkness and in carnality. We have to be careful about those kind of carnal calls. You know, that's what I call them. I said it's carnal prophecy because they just thought that out of their brain and it wasn't God. And so, and sometimes people who have been in a uh, that kind of a, a, a lifestyle prior to their born again experience, if they don't get them grave clothes off of them, if they don't get stripped of all that darkness, they will feel different from everybody. And God has called us not to feel feel less than but feel to be a part of the body of Christ and learn how to come out of that darkness that you were you're, you were entrapped in and come out into the light so that you can live as a person of light so in mere friendship is not what this is about it's not about being able uh, to find somebody that's kind of nice to you and you gravitate toward them that's not what we're talking about. There is no life there. Because that's a real burden for people. To be your only friend or be the person you always come to. you know, And you don't want that either. That's God's job. To be God to them. You got me? You, you have to understand when, when, you know, when you cross the line is what I always tell people. You know, stay on your side of the line and don't cross it. And don't come over into somebody else's territory. So mere friendship is not what this is about. This it goes way beyond the mere friendship aspect of things to be a, a functioning part of the body you have to understand when God needs you to respond to another body part and only the Holy Spirit can tell you when that time is there I found that as I <clears throat> as I mature in the things of God and, and to keep going some of that that ministry of the exhorter is coming back more and more you know because God is is encouraging me to encourage people who are out there fighting for him and working for him to keep going you know there are times when I'll think about somebody you know and there you know it'll you think and you have a little pleasant thought and it goes back and you you think about them again and and then God will say why don't you get in touch with them and this is what I want you to say you know, it's not like thus saith the Lord and if you don't do this, it's, you know, this is an official word from God. But just as a, a functioning part of the body to another functioning part of the body in love that you encourage them in this way. You got me? And so these are the things that are extremely important to God. I cannot tell you how important it is to respond to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because what you're doing is you're connecting the life that he has put in you to share with another joint of the body to bring life so that they stay connected to the Lord. So our connections help one another stay connected to God. They're connected to the head. When you're connected to the head, you function beautifully. When you're disconnected from the head, there's spastic movements. There's inappropriate actions and there's all kinds of, of uh, <laughs> deranged body parts syndrome that comes. So 
anybody can be attractive for the wrong reasons you know we we always we all have flesh we all have this little excitement in us that you know the world's my oyster and you know I'm gonna go and do what I feel good about doing that kind of stuff and so we always have to get a witness in our spirit by the Holy Spirit that we're doing the right thing many people override that witness they just get in the flesh and go tearing off somewhere and then the train wreck happens got me some the ball has to stop you and God has not ordained us to live like that we are people he has placed a dignity on his body that if we don't walk in the spirit that dignity is lost you, you, you start to grovel like a mere human being that hasn't been touched by the spirit of God that has no life of God in them and he does not want that for us he has elevated you to a higher realm of living he expects you to live there and so when we are speaking of a body that functions in the will of God under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ Jesus must be head of his body the church he has to be the one to call the shots the head makes the decisions the head sees everything the head hears everything it processes all of the knowledge the sensory knowledge to give us instructions of what we are to do so we are under a commander when we obey this uh, a spirit of body life he has a plan for his body to survive you got to know that you got to know that there is a plan for God's body to survive he wants his body not only to survive but to thrive and to reproduce after its own spiritual kind so we're not only to survive but we are to thrive and to reproduce after our own spiritual kind there is no room for carnal connections here no room whatsoever God would rather sever apart than to allow carnality to enter into the holy body of Christ when a member does not abide in the vine that member severs itself from the body God doesn't have to do anything remember he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven because he exalted himself above the throne of God and so that car that attempt to, to connect to his holy body through carnality automatically severs itself that's how some people can can think they're still serving God and not really be connected you understand what I'm saying they're totally disconnected but they think because they're going through the motions of doing the same things but their hearts not in it the spirits not right the attitudes not right so there's trying to they're trying to make this carnal connection and it's not possible why God protects his body he protects his body just like the human body has defense mechanisms to protect it from dying the body of Christ has the same thing the body of Christ has the same ability so when a member does not abide in the vine it severs itself from the body and another functioning part is grafted in to keep the body going so if it's necessary that say for instance uh, uh, you know somebody like I can't be here once a month then God has to connect Miss Juana in there to to function there he doesn't want the body not to live you got me and so it, there are replacement assignments 
from time to time. You get grafted in, you draw strength, you give strength, and pretty soon a whole different area of how you're going to function with the body begins to develop. You got me? And so that, that connection though is never lost. If there's a need for that body to be to have circulation to that part or bring nourishment to that part, God always makes provision for that always does always does i know there are some there are preachers that have ministers sitting in their congregation and won't use them they'll bring somebody off the road in there you see and to me that kind of negates the 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 aspect of propagation now i'm not saying that that's right or wrong but all I'm saying is that there are other parts of the body that may be capable of bringing nourishment and life to that congregation in the absence of that man or woman of God. But they never get connected in that way because of some perceived threat. You got me? Because very often when people are, are are deciding to go into ministry, the first thing they want to do is start to gather people to them. And they often come from the same congregation. Just because people are familiar with them, all those things. There's nothing you can do to stop that. See, as a minister, you got to know there's nothing you can do to stop that. So that should be an encouragement to you that that's the right way to go instead of trying to Cut it off by bringing somebody else in that you hope don't have a real connection to your people. I think that's wrong. You understand? It just doesn't seem right to me. Because what you can do is you can cause another part of the body to flourish and function. See, if you cut off circulation to your own congregation, what's that going to mean for those sheep that are sitting out there that need to be fed, that need to be encouraged, that you, you understand it cuts off the life if you see them as, as potentially being uh, uh, robbed from you because you want to hold on to them. You understand what I'm saying? So there's some wrong thinking in there. Carn a little carnality gets in there, puts fear in there, cuts it off. There's, you know, uh, ministers who are in that congregation feel like they're not trusted they're, you know all that kind of stuff all that darkness starts to interplay and we have a ton of it in in churches we have a ton of it where there's the where the ability to reproduce is stifled because of a carnal some carnality some darkness creeping in and so as members of the body of Christ we have to be careful about darkness letting darkness in fear creep in insecurity start to surface uh, don't want to do this because we don't think that's going to be uh, keep it together or it's going to take from me or you know what I'm saying so and and so people that that thought will hit anybody you know it's not like you're above thinking like that uh, that thought will hit anybody you got to take it to God and let him work it through for you so that you can get clarity about which direction to go so this is one example you know of of how the body does not connect and join together in the proper way so <clears throat> When, when it severs itself from the body, if a part is severed, then another functioning part is grafted in to keep the body going. Sometimes it's a part that was not, it was not revealed that part could function that way. Remember Amy Simple McPherson? <laughs> 
she started off wait but cooking the first night she cooked and you know the next night she played the next night she was the whole choir the next night she preached you know and so she was a part of the body that was there on assignment from God but her her function had to be recognized before it could be fully appreciated see she this is a story about a lady that uh, got to it's at a point in her career had a strong huge healing ministry they put people couldn't get you couldn't get she somebody pray for the baby was born without eyes and they sent her a little note to pray for the baby and she said what color eyes you want and everybody thought how arrogant that was but that she just wanted to please it. I mean God told her to ask that question you know he is so loving and caring he even cares what color eyes you want your baby to have you know and so these things are important because this is how the body of Christ and look at how she was able to nourish the body of Christ look at, at the the blessing she brought uh, because she was determined to get there she went to a, a camp meeting they used to call conferences camp meetings back in the day and she went there and the first night she went there she worked in the kitchen and the next night the piano player got sick and she said I know how to play the piano and she played the piano the next night and the next night the choir director wasn't able she said I can direct the choir and she played the piano and directed the choir and the the, the next night after that one of the ministers couldn't preach and so she got up there and began her preaching ministry so it's very very important that we understand and see she humbled herself she wasn't seeking anything but when when there was a a problem that that a part of the body couldn't function she said I can do that you got me I can do that and that's how you make sure that the body stays fitly joined together and the body nourishes every part so we have to graft in a part of every part of the body is extremely important that's what we have to understand it's not like tonsils or appendix you know you can cut a part of the body out this isn't disposable body at all this is every part functions and it and it's extremely important and and in the world has knowledge of this through medicine they understand that there are certain parts of the body we cannot live with especially what they call vital organs and as members of of God's body we are all vital organs there is no part of his body that's unnecessary you know there's nothing that can be cut off that he won't notice the loss maybe we don't so much but he does and so we have to keep that in mind when an organ is failing signs are given to the brain you got me uh, the brain because every uh, major nerve that goes through an organ in the body has to come through the brain then we must understand that the brain becomes aware when the body part needs to be put in what parts gonna take care of what organ replacement all that kind of stuff that comes in through the brain the brain in the human body knows how to protect itself from dying just like the brain in the body of Christ is never gonna die see you're not gonna kill God because you don't want to go to church and you don't want to do what he's told you to do you are not gonna kill God 
and you're not going to kill the other obedient parts of the body either now they may be upset about it and they may want to get upset with you but you're not going to stop what God wants to do and that's one of the things that I've learned over the years is just you keep going forward you know uh, if God has called people to be in your work those people will be there if if they're not there the work will go on anyway it always does and so we have to understand that the head is saying go forward I got this I'll take care of this don't sit around and try to nurse the parts that won't function properly you got me Uh, don't be a drag don't let them be a drag on your life you keep going and you keep going with me because what I have for you is something that you can never get by sitting out and not doing what you are called to do and how you function and so in that way you have to endure hardness like a good soldier you know everybody hates to see people quit serving God or drop back and whatever they say they're doing but you know they're they're not fitting in the body where they're supposed to fit well, none of us enjoy seeing that but that's a choice that people make for whatever reason they make it it's a choice and so as as soldiers we have to keep going you got me and God takes care of all of the other stuff you know the Marines have a, 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 a saying they you know semper fi you know we don't leave anybody out there if somebody falls we go and take care well God does the same thing you don't do it he does it you got me because you don't know how to do those things I I think that's the problem with us we assume too much ability on our own unless you're one of the the uh, uh, triage people you know you're an emergency team too you understand what I'm saying but God has a way of taking care of his own when they disconnect from the body so if if toxins are allowed to get into the brain the brain will fail and the body will go spastic and the human does anybody know what human brains have to keep this from happening keep toxins out it's called a blood brain barrier that's what we got we have a blood brain barrier to keep our head Jesus from going deranged when we got body parts that you understand what I'm saying uh, they, he don't, they don't touch that you got me when you if, blood brain barrier you can look it up because there's certain if 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 people and really is what it is it's a membrane that allows only chemicals molecules of a certain size to go into your brain that's good for you that's why gases kill people quickly because the molecule of gases make the membrane highly permeable but if you're trying to get chemotherapy those proteins usually in the chemo the molecules are too large so they don't go through the brain so you that's why you got to have a local if they can't cut it out and you got brain cancer you pretty much can't get any help you understand what I'm saying and so these things but God does that to keep the head functioning because if the head goes deranged the whole body falls apart so we are protected by the blood of Jesus Christ his own blood protects him from getting polluted from his body so he's holy no matter what his people do huh his his reputation's intact no matter what his members do 
You got me? We got members of the body of Christ that do everything from, from Taiwan on to go back to taking drugs. To, but God still remains on the throne. He's still holy. He's still got a holy body here that will do his work and will obey him. So he's not worried about that kind of stuff at all. You know, I, I feel for people who don't understand how to keep themselves connected in the right way. Because they probably have never fit anywhere in their lives. You know, you track it. You'll see, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of mentalities that keep people aloof, withdrawn, you know, with big wall around them. You know, and it, sometimes it's a lot of work taking bricks out of somebody's wall. You know, and people just walk away because it's too much work. <laughs> Not this again. More work. You know, uh, people uh, people who are, are um, therapists, successful therapists, will tell you it's work getting better. It just doesn't happen. You know, and, and to a degree it's true even for us as believers. There's some labor involved, laboring to make sure that you stay in the faith. Laboring to, to you know, fight the good fight of faith, to resist the the uh, plans of the enemy to resist him steadfast in the faith and continue on in God so there's a labor uh, to be be done the Bible tells us to labor to enter into his rest once you do the labor you can enter into the rest of God and allow the grace of God then to enable you to go forth in, in obedience to the Lord and that's that's the wonderful part about our covenant with God so in Hebrews 10, 24, why don't we start there? I figure I'd take you through some scripture to talk about how the body is called to edify itself, to strengthen our self-repairing body. The life of this body is really an extraordinary life. It's a blessed life. It's not a carnal life. It's a life where you have to uh, reckon yourself dead to sin and carnality and alive unto righteousness. You know, you, 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 there is a life here. It's a righteous life. And it's not an impossible life. You just have to submit to God and, and do what God tells you to do and do these things. In um, Hebrews 10, what did I say? 24... And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Amen. We're to provoke one another to love and to good works. Did I go to Hebrews 10 yet or didn't I go to Hebrews 10? Let me see. Hebrews. Yeah. Okay. I'm there. Provoke each other to love and to good works. Now what does the word provoke mean? Well it means to make somebody angry. To stir somebody up. It means to exasperate. To vex. Uh -huh. <laughs> you got me? And see, now tell me if I'm not telling you the truth. When we get to together, there's all kinds of provoking going on in our assembly. I always tell people, I said, you know, so and so, well, they did this and that, you know, kitty stuff. 
But they didn't do. They didn't speak to me. They didn't say. But they did this. Well, they're provoking you to love and to good works. Because what can you do that's allowable by God but to love them and to forgive them and walk in love and quit being touchy. Quit being touched by everything people say. Quit get your feelers back in. Huh? Put that away. I was listening to somebody was telling me that, you know, somebody they knew, well, they, they say they don't come to church because somebody hurt their feelings. I'm saying, you know what? They live with people that cuss them out. Right. You mean to tell me they come to church and they get sensitive all of a sudden? <laughs> Think about it, folks. Some people just don't want God. You keep praying for them, but quit listening to that nonsense. Because we are to be provoked to love and to good works. And so <clears throat> there are times when God will put you in assembly. And there's always going to be somebody that rubs you the wrong way. That's vexing. That's exasperating. And they're to provoke you to love them. Somebody got it. They're not for you to keep hostility toward. To try and make them respect you or make them treat you different. That's the big mistake people make. People do not. We are not here for one another's comfort, pleasure, and enjoyment other than to love one another. You got me? And sometimes you need to sow your seeds of love out instead of keeping them bottled up for specific people. Look. I can't, I can't let some of that out because you might get some, and it's not for you. It's for hmm? heathens do that. The Bible says even the heathen love people that love them. Come on now, you got more in you than that. And see, as a member of the body, we're to provoke one another to love and to good works. Your actions. Even your good actions can be taken wrong. Because of this veil of the flesh that we live in. Because of carnal mentality that sometimes we walk in. Sometimes you get up on the wrong side of the bed. In fact, most some of us get pushed out. <laughs> by God because we refuse to let it go. So you're going to be in a bad mood sometimes. You know, you have to own your part of these things, you see. But the only thing you can correct is what God's holding you accountable for. And that's how you treat them, not how they treat you. Now, you can go to God as many times as you want to and ask him to make somebody do something. But I guarantee you, he's going to make you forgive them first and love them. (laughs) Oh, see, if we can't do that, if I do that, then I'm going to have to be wrong. And I know I'm right this time. They was mean to me. Huh? Right. Well, you have the the luxury of being right. You got me? But you're wrong. Uh, you think in your mind you are right, but you are wrong. Well, people are here to provoke you to love and the good works. Did you know that certain types of cells reproduce faster when they're irritated? Look at the oyster. Put sand in there. 
And the oyster's trying to get it out, and it rubs and rubs and rubs and rubs and rubs, and pretty soon it's rubbed a big ball that we call pearl that we pay a lot of money for. So something good always comes out of your irritation when you let God have it and do things God's way. When you obey God, something good comes out of your irritation. You can give a testimony of where God has blessed you. And somebody sitting out there is going to get mad when they hear it. So even your, your truth spoken in love can, can push somebody over the edge. If I hear one more testimony about what God going to do for somebody. He ain't done nothing for me. Well I can see why. All that vinegar you spew out. Come on now. Nobody want to get vinegar spit on them. Huh? Maybe you ought to try God's way. Maybe you ought to try walking in love. Maybe you ought to try having some joy. Maybe you ought to try letting him come in in a different way in your life and see what happens. But our testimony is provocative because it will provoke others to believe God to do the same way. See, that's, that's to love and to good works because that's one of the, one of the powers of our testimony. When Paul would give his testimony, it vexed people. And provoke them. It should have provoked them to fall on their knees and receive Christ. But it provoked them to want to kill Paul. And so we see that, that even the anointing. When it's on something. Somebody's not going to pick it up the right way. And see I believe that a testimony is, is being the spirit of prophecy. If it's received in a person's heart. Can then stir them up to expect that God would do the same thing for them. But if somebody is not connected by the spirit. It will cause them to disconnect more and more and more and more. And you have this sometimes in corporate settings. You have the the corporate jealousy. You know where I'm sick of hearing every time I turn around. They up there giving a testimony. Get, let somebody else do something. <laughs> Why don't you do something sometime? You know. And so this is, this is what happens. See. This is why many times. Not just with testimony. Sometimes they get exaggerated. And they get you know. If you don't encourage people to stay. You know with the spirit on giving them. Sometimes they can dissipate into just some talk you know and don't have that real uh, spirit of prophecy on them where you know it can provoke people uh, to good works which means that if if the good work that you did and I hear it in your testimony if I can do that then that thing will be reproduced for me you see what I'm saying that's what that testimony really is designed to do because it will repeat itself almost word for word the same way that people give it that's the amazing thing about the spirit of prophecy and when it's when it hits somebody whose ears are humble to God who's hungry for God and we talked about yesterday you hunger and thirst for righteousness you will be filled that it fills that empty spot in that person's heart they may not operate on it right away the next day or the next week but it's there already stored in their hearts for them to draw from in their time of need and that's how the body fitly joins together edifies itself so our conversation needs to be edifying you don't need to come to church and hear somebody's dark stories about somebody else in the church 
you know you don't hear conversations you don't hear frivolous conversations and stupid things you don't waste your time with that as a body you don't spend a lot of time just joking and you know you know that kind of stuff the backyard stuff and you know stuff that goes better with a six-pack you understand what I'm saying some of that stuff doesn't even sound right you know in a holy setting it's just just the wrong stuff but you know we're forgiving and we're loving people and you know you can go on and and love people in spite of sometimes their goofy conversation Uh, at some point they may have a conversation that's a blessing as they grow they become more of a blessing to everybody and as they have experiences in God. See, that's the amazing thing about the different parts of the body. Sometimes somebody will give a testimony and you say, I didn't know they had all that in them. You know, relationship with God like stuff. And so that's the blessing of of every part being a part that we can encourage one another uh, seeing growth in somebody is an encouragement to you as you grow you can say wow you know I didn't know that person had that kind of understanding about God well these are inner workings in people see they don't always show on the outer that's why you can't discount anybody you can't ever say somebody's not going to do something for God or they can't do something for God but it's much better if they know that about themselves See, in body life helps you to know what you are capable of in God and live that way. See, it's, it's for that part to function properly. So as you stay connected properly to the body of Christ, you begin to understand who you are. You don't compare yourself to people. But you connect, you relate in love and in strengthening one another. You know you're... you're, you're part is to strengthen one another and to encourage one another so our testimony we said even is provocative we build one another up by our conversation our prayers our exhortations all of these things that stir one another provoke one another to love and to good works sometimes younger people in a church have a different way of encouraging one another than older we have to examine the fruit you understand what I'm saying you you look at what fruit comes forth and you look at how people relate to one another before you make a judgment about it but God is Lord over all he orchestrates and regulates our interactions if our interactions are inappropriate then God will raise up somebody in authority to make sure that's corrected so we're not just running around here uh, you know doing everything we want to do to one another and saying everything we want to say to one another God sometimes and he'll direct oftentimes the the preaching he'll direct sometimes a personal uh, conversation or counsel or something like that to help people to learn how to interact properly with one another so it's it's all done under the authority of God's ministry gifts so that God can honor what's being done so when we provoke one another to provoke also means to stir up that means to wake up because I think sometimes gifts in people can be awakened through right connection with the body of Christ they're God's ministers they're awakened it means to incite to call forth Mm -hmm. provoke that 
word really means to call forth. So you call it out of its dormant stage into a more lively and active stage. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You know, uh, it, it, sometimes people, you ever, ever realize well, how long it takes sometimes for uh, somebody who to gain uh, mastery, say over an instrument, just in natural uh, if if you think about what it takes, you know, if you say sometimes if you listen to a parent, you say, boy, you don't know what it, how much I fought with that kid to get him to just go and take lessons or, you know, that kind of stuff. But God knows how to call things forth in a provocative manner so that they come forth under his direction, the Holy Spirit. They come forth strong already. See, there's some discipline that we all need over these things but there have been people that have done things under the anointing they've never done before um, I think it was Ben Tankard they say that received a prophecy and began playing the keyboard just supernaturally you got me and so these things are called forth that's why people in the body of Christ always amaze one another and amaze themselves you know because it, we're the first people to be amazed at what we're able to do when we allow God to do that and being around other members is supposed to provoke us to good works not to you know feel bad about yourself or you know sometimes people feel bad because they're being rebuked by the Holy Spirit for not putting putting themselves in the right spot but once you get in the right spot then you, you begin to flourish and you, and you say oh yeah that's what that was for that's why I never felt comfortable doing that or that's why I never felt accepted when I did things that way it's because I was not joining myself the right way you got me and so once you settle in and this is something everybody goes through you know I, we've all had that that uh, mindset that we were going to set the world on fire because we felt the fire of God in us from time to time you know you run with it tell everybody and they're going to accept Jesus and then the first person that tells you no hurts your feelings and you will go in a corner and die and so there's there's but at least you kept going see there's trouble when you allow your mistakes to quench the fire totally you have more concern for doing things right than you have for doing them did you hear that? Too much concern for doing them right than doing them. If God's called you to do something, he's going to help you to get it accomplished. But you're going to have some trial and error along the way. You got me? You're going to have some. Sometimes you need to be corrected. You're going to have sometimes you're going to put it out there and not be sure. You're going to have sometimes you put it out there, excuse me, and it's not going to work. But you keep putting it out there. You got me. You keep doing it. And so you, you have to have a way to find what success in God means as far as you're concerned. And so assembling yourselves together to provoke one another to good works. You should be able to hear somebody's testimony. The day a testimony makes you angry and you can't get over it. You, you need to come to the altar. You got me. You just, just, it's just wrong because what'll happen is you'll set up an anger on the inside of you, and you'll start to reject the body of Christ. You know, don't want to be around them. You know, don't respond to them when they reach out to you. All that kind of stuff, and just you know, we've had people to leave this ministry and call back and 
tell everybody off and slam the phone down and you know so they could shut the door on God permanently you got me and so our our heart has always been to extend the invitation and leave it open you know I, I wouldn't dare call somebody and tell them off and tell them not to come back you know they they've already said that people know when they're they're free to come and go uh, you don't have to tell people that they already know that so there's freedom there but when you're involved in the life of the body you have to function in your capacity to function I've found that many times people don't understand enough about themselves to know what their place is and before they can understand enough about themselves then they're ready to go and create a place for them that God has not ordained for them and and many times when you give people a place they don't they think that's not for them too so they have to accept that and and grow into it the the easiest way to accept what God has for you is just say yes all the time you know just say yes okay I'll do it yes fine you know that's fine you know if you stop and think about whether you can do it or whether you got time or whether you you'll never you'll never know who you are you'll never your identity comes as you say yes to God and what he's put on your plate what he's ordained for you to do what he what you know he can help you with see he can only help you with what he's ordained for you he can't help you with other things so as you see people prosper the Bible says to rejoice with them who rejoice that's what a body part does if you're the liver and the kidneys getting some oxygen you say yay kidney send some over here huh I'm staying connected that kidney that's my friend that kidney that's my buddy right there that kidney my buddy you don't hear a testimony of somebody prospering so that you can go hug them and, and be friends with them and hope they give you some of it. <laughs> you make your request known to God. That person may not be the person to give it to you, but they've already given you much more. Amen. If they've given you your testimony, you got the how to, you got the when it's going to happen, you got the circumstance for, for how it's going to happen, you got everything figured out when you get that. So, when our testimony is provocative, that's the good part because it's making an impact with somebody somewhere, it stimulates us to action. Many of the testimonies I would hear of ministers that worked in the supernatural uh, inspired me to seek God for more power and more ability to help people. You know, so those were always good. Sometimes I get discouraged if I didn't see exactly what they said was there, but that never changed what God was going to do. You know, and it, and you know, I would say, well, you know, He did it for them. I know He'll do it for me. So let me just shake this off and keep going. You know, repent and keep going. And so when we uh, are incite people with our testimony, we call forth feelings and desires in activity. So feelings, desires, and activity will lead to a reward. A build up and a, a blessing. Uh, feelings, desires, but no activity will lead to disappointment, discouragement, and jealousy. 
And that's why we have a lot of that sometimes, you know, around among church people. Because they'll they'll hear the good result and they want that, you know, and it makes them excited about it. But if they're not willing to get up and do what it takes to receive it, that shorts out and it begins to fester. That fire begins to fester on the inside of them in the form of jealousy. And so and jealousy always disconnects people. Because God will not have that type of spirit uh, infecting his people. That's not right for a holy holy body. And so God will, will uh, you know, if they don't get that straightened out with God. You know, if they don't come to God and say, God, this is in me and it's not right. You see, you go to God and you say, God, you know, I have a a covenant with you to live holy. And I've got something unholy nagging me on the inside here and it's not right. And I want to get rid of it. You got me? I want to live right, live holy. I should feel good about this. I should be happy about this. And I should be doing activities that show that. And so if if we take it to the Lord instead of trying to bury it. Worst thing in the world, be ashamed of it. Pretend it's not there. Try to be happy in spite of it. All of that. Because sometimes God in his mercy will cause it to pop out on you. So that you can't deny it. You know, if he's if he really dis- dislikes it enough, he'll make sure that it gets revealed to you so that you can do something. You got to do something about it then. Amen. So interaction of different parts of the body with one another cause growth. When you get the, if you have a plant and you feed it the right nourishment, you put it in the sun, it needs a certain amount of sun, you give it the water and all that kind of stuff, how the, those elements for growth interact will bring life. And so when a, a, a congregation or a body of believers begin to interact properly, that causes growth and it causes life. Now, a body part is free to refuse growth and life. Many times people reject what God is doing through them, through interaction with the body of believers that they are with. You'll have people that get involved with a body for one reason, and if they stay humble and stay open, God will show them the real reason they're there. You know, uh, how many of us has heard the testimony of the young man that saw a cute girl she liked, he liked, and he, she said, well, you got to come to church with me. And they wind up being a pastor one day because they came in for one reason, but God got a hold of them and changed and flipped that script around. Amen. There are tons of people that don't respond the right way. You got me that come in looking for somebody. If they don't see them, they keep moving. You know, I call them predators. You know, so we have an anti-predator prayer that we pray all the time to keep the body of Christ pure, to keep a hedge of protection around God's people. You know, you let people just come in here and, and raid the congregation, take what they want and keep going. You know, it's been tried many times, but it's never successful. And so because if, if prayer is there and there is a hedge around, then it'll keep everybody else 
on one accord. Now, if if, if those those individuals want to submit to God, they can fit right into the body. But if they continue to be kind of predator minded, then they won't be able to stay. They won't be able to connect. They just you know can't let go of that. You know, uh, I think somebody came <laughs> came to one of the meetings and asked, "Where's all the men's is at?" I said, "Oh boy, you know." Or, or they see a lot of single women. They keep rolling. I said, "Well, that's good." Because we don't need predators around here. There's enough of God here to satisfy somebody who's longing for God. You know, you don't want to tone that down and start, you know, you know, kind of like compromising to make predators feel comfortable. So you keep that holiness around you. When we are irritated by one another, Christian. We are able to be provoked. We are to be provoked to forgive and to love and to do good works towards those. The Bible says bless those, amen, uh, that that have something against you or, or you know, that you've had ought against. You are uh, to be able to bless them and, and uh, that kind of thing. So we that is very, very important to the life of the body. It's it's a life that's uh, full of good fruit. It's a life that's full of love. There's a peace there. There's there's no agitation, you know. And, and now, oh boy, here they come. Kind of, you know, when you find yourself thinking like that, you know, to, need to go to the altar, folks. You know, that's going to be my thing. Go to the altar, because what that means is that there's something there that needs to be rooted out. You know, you don't need to feel like it's okay to let it stay there. You know, we got enough of that teaching going around. You need to have something that lets you know that's a foreign object. That's something that can kill the life of the body. And you're to let that go. And, and let God come in there and help you with these things. So we should be provoked to overcome our weaknesses. Our touchinesses. <laughs> and thereby we grow. Hmm? We grow thereby. In uh, uh, where to provoke one another to love and to good works. I'm sorry, I didn't read verse 25. It says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together." See, forsake means to set it aside and tell yourself it's not important. I'm still saved. I still love God. I still pray. I still, you know, when your life is a bunch of stills, and not the major obedience, you're in trouble. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. So even in the early church they had factions of believers that would just gather together on the side. You got me? And talk about the people who were the church. You know, people who had once been a part of the church will start to gather together in their own little group and talk about what's wrong with everybody else. You know, that's not healthy. It's not healthy in the world. You know, you'll lose a job associating with the wrong people. Because, you know, say for instance, and, and this has happened. I remember when my husband was in management and he said, you know, he said, you know, so-and-so, he, he says he wants to be promoted. He said, but if he keeps hanging around with that group, you know, it, it was an association thing. Right. 
They had nothing to do with that guy's plans, what was what is in his heart and all that. It, it was an association thing. And so if the, the bosses see you associating with unsavory elements, people who aren't going anywhere, people who don't mean anybody any good, who aren't doing the right thing, you get lumped together. And you should be because there's got to be an attraction there for you to get involved with that kind of nonsense. And so when you when you see that, that they don't assemble themselves as is the manner of some, but we're to exhort one another. You know, encourage one another. If you see somebody who hasn't been to church in a couple of weeks, pray for them first. Don't get jump on the phone, you know, like you're their boss. But you exhort one another. You know, God opens a door for you to speak to them. You speak to them. But, but that is the pastor's job, folks, to hear from God as to when and where and how to approach people to get them uh, in fellowship. Oftentimes there's something wrong with people that pastors and leadership notice you know way back you know they can see the train wreck coming and you know a lot of times people you know I've learned how to not warn everybody all the time everything because people don't heed warnings and I said well God they didn't hear me and he said well you know just leave it to me I'll tell you when to speak to them you got me because some people aren't ready to hear if they were ready to hear, they'd probably just go to the altar, get it straightened out in here. You got me? But there are things, strongholds in people's minds that have had them built up for so long. And they just are too lazy to fight them with the word. We are to cast down imaginations that exalt themselves. See, it's doing the work. Doing the work. You know? So you just, it, it, it's kind of lazy to just let thoughts float around in your head and you believe them. And you see they're getting you in trouble and you just let them stay there and feed them. And so there's, there's something uh, wrong there that that person doesn't respect who they are and what God's called them to be enough to put up a fight. You know, they'll fight other believers, but they won't fight the devil. You got me? But we're to exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're to get more vehement into holding on to people for God. Because you see more more uh, temptation of the enemy. You see more difficulty with people to live right for God. All of that stuff. And he says for if we sin willfully after having received the knowledge of the truth. There's no more sacrifice for your sins. You got me? Jesus did a once and for all work not to to keep renewing you to a covenant over and over again he says but then there's a certain fearful looking out for judgment and that's the sad part of disobedience when people disconnect themselves from the body they've been assigned to then they think everybody's trying to get close to them so that they can tell them off or you mean them ill you know, because they mean you no good. You got me? The devil's twisted their minds that way. And so that's why people stay away from the church. That's why they stay away from believers. You know, um, I remember Miss Nola was <laughs> talking about someone, you know, she's always the person we assign to call people to check on them, you know, and they you know, don't appear very often. And uh, she said, well, you know, I, I saw so-and-so. I was out shopping and, and she said... 
And she was always so pleasant about being around us. She said it really shocked me when, when I'd call. She wouldn't return calls. She said and so I just was praying for her and God had me run into her. She said and she looked at me like I was a ghost. You see. Fiery looking for judgment. That kind of thing. Because if you don't, whatever you mean ill for God's body, that thing is coming from the inside of you and you feel fear to run into those people again. You got me? And so they're never comfortable until they get right with God and learn how to be a healthy functioning part of the body again. And so anyway, so that is uh, what God expects. Don't ever forsake assembling yourself even when it's difficult for you to do I've come to church through grief through loss through uh, anger and upset through uh, you know small crowds you know big crowds at the conference small crowds when you get back here it's all kinds if I let it stress me and go by what I see I would not want to assemble myself you got me? I assemble myself through uh, a wenting and <laughs> not wenting. You, you got me? The same thing you go through, I go through. You know, I don't do this just because it's my job to do it. You know, you, you do it because you you understand God, but you look for God to help you to do these things. But if I thought about it and let myself get uh, discouraged or stopped by something, I'd stop. Just like you want to stop sometimes. But you, because you are drawn by the Spirit of God, see, when that's your bigger draw, you always got to let that be the big draw in your life. You always got to let God be in charge of your life. You got to let the Word rule your life, or you won't want to do anything. You'll come and you'll sit and you won't get much. You'll just be a body there and not really attaching yourself in a healthy way, in the right way. But assembling is better than not assembling. You got me? <laughs> being there is better than not being there. And so you have to realize that everybody has a place. And I'll say this as well. Everybody has an honorable place in God's body. See, you're not called to a substandard place. You're not, you assigned yourself that. See, you did that with your own thinking. And probably because you're comparing yourself the wrong way. You compare yourself with other people, you'll always either wind up better or worse. But you'll never be okay if you start comparing yourself in that fashion uh, with others. So it's very, very important that we let God be our standard let the Holy Spirit be the one who draws us and be comfortable with who we are. Everybody has a, a good place in God. Everybody has an exalted place in God. And everybody has a high place in God. So we have to, we have to remember that. I can remember people, you know, they would come and come sporadically and want a prayer partner because they saw everybody else with a prayer partner like it was a club or something. And so you have to be careful because then who am I going to assign to somebody who's not faithful? Why would I want to do that to you? See, why would I want to do that to somebody who is faithful? Have you not get your prayer done? You're depending upon somebody who's not going to do their assignment or you're not sure. And so we've had people that get mad and leave because we wouldn't give them a prayer partner when they want it. It's like, give me, give me some more candy. You know, it's not a candy store, you know. And, and so it's hard to get that across to people who just think in a, terms of a carnal 
place that they're trying to get. You know, you have to get people to settle down and and understand this is a spiritual thing that we're talking about. Uh, it's a holy thing. It's something that we can't defile with our emotional response to things. You know, you, you have to keep it in high esteem. So it, it's just that way. So we can accept a few things and allow God to help us you know accept them just just let God help us more I think it would be easier for us uh, to be able to appreciate who we are you can have a long life in God as the assistant somebody as the associate somebody as the armor bearer of something as the you know counsel to somebody I mean you can have a long happy life in God look at Dave Meyer Joyce's husband Mm -hmm. he sits on the front row he don't give her no trouble sounds like you know he kind of takes her to task as a husband needs to but that's different from the ministry but it it undergirds her their relationship undergirds her and helps her to go forward uh, in the things of God and so he's he doesn't have to be Mr. In Charge. He doesn't have to be. As she said at the uh, prompting of, of church people, they tried it that way. And she found out Dave couldn't preach and she couldn't be quiet just sitting there. <laughs> so he had to find his place in the body of Christ. It's not just in her ministry, but it's the body of Christ he has a place there. And I believe it's an important place because look at all the encouragement they give to couples who where the woman is called to ministry and the husband is not but he can be a good administrator he can be a good support he can be a good person for her to counsel with when she needs counseling just to keep herself going you know they don't have to know anything about preaching but they can be a good husband you know it's just it's just that way um, in family sometimes when you when you have a role as pastor or or um, uh, you know a minister to people you have to clarify you know what you're speaking as you know when they get used to you don't have to do it so much but you know there's a role as a, a father and then there's a role as a pastor you got to feel fulfill both of them you got to understand let your people understand which one you're in at different times you know uh, pastors sometimes want to be pastor at home instead of husband more you know you got to know which one to slot into when and, and so forth and so on and so it's it's very important that those things get clarified but thank god they worked that through See, they didn't stop when they found out it wasn't working and listen to people told her she wasn't called to do what she was doing. And so we all benefited from that. We're still benefiting from that decision they made for her to go forth in ministry and for him to, to be who God called him to do. Be an important part. Just as important as she is, he is. Huh? Just as important. So anyway, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 12, says for... As the body is one and has many members. Many. And that's the thing you've got to understand. There are many members to the body of Christ. Your highest place of functioning is a place where God assigned you. And you fight to hold on to that place. Because there will be a fight for the devil to disconnect you. He loves to dismember the body. He loves to kidnap parts of the body. And hold them for ransom against other parts. All that stuff <clears throat> he does. 
But then there's the fellowship of the body that's very powerful in keeping the body intact. So he says where a body is one and have many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body that means we are identified into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles bond or free we've been all made to drink of one spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that connects the body together. And we've all drunk of that spirit or have drank of that spirit. It says for the body is not one member but many. Many. You know I always see ministers who want to be the person to go to for this and that. That's a lot of responsibility. You know as a human you don't want that. You know, it'll hurt you to have to be the one person everybody goes to for one thing or another. And he says, if the foot shall say, verse 15, because I'm not the hand, I know have no need, <laughs> I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Just because you say you're not part, then does that really mean you're not part? And so what we have here is a jealousy stirring of one member to be the same thing as the other member so can we have one body of nothing but hands are we Hindu uh, you know idols that's what those things are you ever see those Hindu gods they they have pictures and they make sculptures of they have like six arms and stuff like that he says uh, he says and if the ear shall say because I'm not the eye I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body and you're part of the body whether you say you're not you know because you're not like so and so and you're not like this and that see identifying the wrong way can kill a body part identity is so important and you get your proper identity as you yield to the Holy Spirit as you submit to the Spirit of God and you find your identity in the word then you function properly you just have to accept it we have to get over this notion that we want to be exactly what somebody else. That slot's been filled already, you see. We, we don't covet what doesn't belong to us. We can be inspired by it, but we can't covet it. You know, just be inspired by it. And he says, if the whole body, in verse 17, were an eye, then how would we hear? See, there's a function missing, a vital function missing. And so God has to find an ear that understands it's an ear and put it there. You got me? Because we got an ear trying to be an eye. And he's a little confused. And we love him. But he thinks he's an ear. And there's that big eyeball rolling around looking at everybody. If the whole were hearing, how would we smell? We can't all be the same. He says, but now God has set members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. It pleases him that you're not an ear, you're an eye. It pleases him that you're not a hand, you're a leg. It pleases him what you are. And he says, and if in verse 19, and if all were all one member, then where would the body function come in? If we were all one, one the same thing, how would we be calling ourselves a body? You know, we negate our own identity. He said, but now are they many members 
yet but one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Because how would I scratch myself? Huh? Or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Huh? What would we get around in? What would the head command to make him move some, move the body somewhere? No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Oh my. We can't pray away people who don't cut the mustard. We can't get rid of people who just keep saying the same redundant, redundant carnal stupid things over and over again. We can't say they don't belong. You know, they do this in, in denominational churches now. They'll say you ain't saved if you don't shape up in a certain length of time. You know, and quit doing this and quit doing that and quit, 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 quit. Mm-hmm. Can't say that. He says, no, much more those members of the body which seem more feeble. Seem. See, we can't see the inner workings of God. They may seem more feeble, become more necessary. God will make sure that happens. You know, he'll make sure that happens. You know, I, I always kid people sometimes about rookie moves. And, and uh, you know, people kind of get out of that feeling new thing. And they begin to recognize, oh, I am important. Nobody else can do this but me. You got me? Nobody else here is assigned this place but me. See, when you come out of that old identity and start just accepting your place, accepting your role, accept who you are, accept your gifts, accept your calling, accept your abilities, accept those things. Because God called you as it pleased him. Not you and not everybody else, but as it pleased him. And we don't have to be pleased with it, but we can accept it and function wonderfully in it. Man, you can functionally wonder. Don't ever be disgruntled about where God puts you. Don't ever find fault with where you are. You might, you might not be pleased with all the results you're receiving. But never, never let that become a problem for you. And, and how you approach the things of God. Did, did I run out of time, Ms. Juana? Okay. Alright. Well, we we'll just finish up here. Okay? Alright. Well, Father in Heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand how we function as a body. This is, is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that you've given us, God, to be who you called us to be. And we thank you, Father, for allowing us to come in in the fullness, in understanding, and in power, and demonstration of your Holy Spirit to show how a body fitly joins together, increases with the increase of God. We bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come